0: The truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weekday at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today we want to talk about the stressed out Christian. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in Luke 10. Uh, the story of of Mary and Martha, the scripture says this, now as they were traveling along, Jesus and his disciples, he entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all their preparations and she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're in trouble when he says your name twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. It is a joy today to welcome my good friend, dr charles lowry to the broadcast charles is the president and ceo of lowry institute for excellence he has a uh, doctorate in psychology from the university of south carolina And uh, Charles has spoken in numerous churches over the years, companies, and nonprofit organizations. He has a unique style of humor, encouragement, motivation, and biblical wisdom. Charles, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for coming. And
1: And I'm not going to say Jeff Jeff, so that's good. (laughs) That's good. Instead of Martha Martha.
0: That's good. Well, okay, the subject of stress. You know a little bit about that, don't you? I do. I do. Uh, did you study that in school? I did.
1: Uh, I didn't learn much about it in school, but they, you know, it was on the agenda.
0: <laughs> yes. So uh, tell me about uh, the stressed-out Christian. I know you've done a lot of counseling. You've been to a lot of church. You've talked to a lot of pastors. Yep. Um, stress seems to be ubiquitous, doesn't it? it's everywhere and it's it's it's
1: natural really i mean it's we're all stress is good for you actually it's like a passenger in your car you know you need it every now and then but if you stay in passenger, you're gonna burn the car up you know just common sense right but if you're reading that passage there's a key word in there and it says you're distracted right and we get distracted from the things and the reason we're here on the world in the universe doing things that really don't matter all that much, and those things are stressing us out. I, but it's easy to get... You know, my wife will send me to the grocery store, and I know what I'm supposed to get, grapes and bananas, and and now she says I need fiber, because, you know, I'm getting old, so i got to get something that has fiber in it, which means I'm going to live five years longer, and four years is going to be in the bathroom, so I'm not sure I really need that, but uh, I go to the grocery store knowing what I'm supposed to get, but when I get there, there's Snickers and Ding Dongs, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And if I'm not really careful, Jeff, I will get to check out and realize I bought a lot of stuff, wasted a lot of money, spent a lot of time yeah. on stuff I really didn't need or want in the first place. Yeah. And that's, if we're not careful, we're gonna get to check out in life, and we're gonna look back and we're gonna realize we wasted a lot of time, we spent a lot of money, because we got distracted on the things that really didn't matter. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell Martha, uh, and so that's that's the end result. That's where we want to get. Now, getting there is a process, and it's a it's difficult because it's it's a very stressful world.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, well, it seems to be getting more and more stressful as the days go by.
1: Yeah. It, it part of it is the work the work home balance is blurred now. It didn't it didn't used to be that blurry because you go to work and. You couldn't talk to people you didn't have cell phones right. be, we didn't have all that so it, it has continued to accumulate which means you have to have to be more directive in what and how you live you got to set right. your priorities you got to make sure uh, that you don't live life by distraction right. uh, and you have to understand we have what i call your atom suit your body and uh it it's hard to get it to do what you want it to do that's the bottom line
0: i mean it it's uh you have a great quote, Charles, where you say, your, your earth suit doesn't want to do right, it wants to feel right. Right, yeah. I, you can
1: call it your earth suit, your Adam suit, you can call it Eve's suit if you're a woman, but for the people out there listening, it it's not you, but it's your body, and it carries you around, and everything you get, get involved in, the body's going to be there. Right. And the more you can redeem that body, the better life you're going to have down here. Now – you're never gonna to totally redeem your body. God's gonna kill it to get you into heaven. It's right. not, you're not gonna to totally redeem it. That's why Jesus came to live a life that you can never get that body to live. Don't, don't get grace, don't, don't forget about grace because that's, that's gonna get us all in. Right. But the more you can redeem that body, and get it to do what it does not want to do. It does not want to feel better. It wants—I mean—it act better. It wants to feel better. Does not—it does not want to plan. It wants a pill. Does not want education. It wants medication. That's my body, and that's your body. And you—and mm-hmm. you know, people listen out there and say, "Well, you know, we're the—we're the good Christians. We're listening to Christian radio." Well, it doesn't matter. You know, the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian to ever lived, about his body, he said this: "The things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do." I end up doing. Well, if that's the greatest Christian that ever lived, what does that mean for me and you? <laughs> that means we're in serious trouble. That's what that means yeah. because we got a body that wants to do what's not good for it. You know, it, it, it's, it's all of our bodies. Right. Matter of fact, there's a great quote. I'm a, I'm a huge Cowboy fan. There's a great, we used to have a good coach named Tom Landry. Yeah. And here's what Tom said He said, My job as a coach is to make men do what they do not want to do in order to accomplish what they've dreamed of doing all their lives well that's a great quote because that's not only the job of a, of a parent or a teacher or a preacher that's my job on myself my job is to get my body to do what it does not want to do in order to accomplish what god had in mind for me when i came down here right so that's a, that's a process of doing that because when you're under stress that's when you want to feel you want to feel you don't feel great so you want to feel better So then you look for things to make you feel better. And that's why people under stress get addicted. They get overweight. They get all those other things start to happen, which spirals people down, which, uh, unfortunately, it's very hard to recover from. So side effects.
0: And just because you're a Christian and just because you have a quiet time and just because you are in church, I mean, those are all critical, important things. But that doesn't uh alleviate the the pitfalls.
1: Right. Yeah. The I mean the quiet time gets you ready for the day, but then the day comes and then can you live out what you decided to do during your quiet time? That's that's the difficult thing and and the change is just hard. Most of what you most of what you do during the day, most of what I do during the day, we don't even think about. It's subconscious. We we just do it, you know. Uh, and so and then many times we go to church, we hear a general sermon about general things, and in general, we generally decide we're generally going to do generally better than what we generally did before we generally went in there, and then generally we go out there and we don't do anything different, because life isn't lived in general. you got to get very specific about the behaviors you're going to change. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, they say in the recovery movement, they got a great saying, they say this, that you don't have a breakthrough until you have a breakdown, and usually a person doesn't change until they have to, where mm-hmm. something bad happens. The wife says, I'm going to divorce you. The kids say, I don't want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at work, say, not, you know, you can't work here anymore. Uh, the church says, "You know, we don't want you to be a teacher. What Whatever it is, you realize you know, other people have observed what I've been in denial, mm-hmm. uh, that that I'm not living the kind of life I, I need to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a process for all of us. We all struggle with it. And with Christians, we have to help each other and teach them how to, how to, handle, how to live a great life. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we spiritualize everything, and, and we don't give them the practical things they need to, to live a great life.
0: Well, okay, Charles, you have Romans 6 says we're dead to sin. Romans 7 says we're still struggling with sin. You know, in me that is in my flesh, there yeah. dwells no good thing. Romans 8 says we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and that Romans 8 is the Spirit-filled life. Yeah. Um, but as we were talking before the program, it's it's hard to live in Romans 8. It is, yeah. It's and, available to us, yeah. but it's...
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm not a theologian, so I don't know how, if the body's dead, I don't know if it responds to the Spirit. And that's, you know, that's what you got to think about. It may be that if the body, if that dead body doesn't respond to spiritual things you have to get figure out in a sense secular things to reward the body to do what it does not want to do so you can do spiritual things i'm not sure Uh, i don't know how it all works you know i'm going to ask jesus one day how did this all work uh you know i've heard all kind of explanations of it but i see a lot of christians who they can't seem to control their adam suit uh and they ask the holy spirit for help i think they need the Holy Spirit, but they need also techniques of controlling that Adam suit so the Holy Spirit can work through them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just, well, I'm praying about it, I'm asking God to help me, and I'm saying, well, what's the plan? You know, what what's the plan? Well, my plan right. is going. I'm gonna pray more, and I say, uh, I think we need another plan. Th- this plan is not working. Right. Uh, and so. Well,
0: this plan is missing a key right. ingredient. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We, we we have to get specific about the changes we're going to make. It's right. it's almost like I tell people how exhausting change is. For example, if I, I came to see you yesterday, I drove down from Dallas. It's about three hours. Right. I wasn't really tired. I stopped and got a big gup on the way. You know, I have a nice car. Uh, i wasn't tired at all really i'm a driver i didn't really think about it that much i put on my seatbelt. i don't remember doing it i i I don't remember really all the things that were involved in it it was just a nice little drive now if i took that same drive let's just say i go not not that distance not three hours let's just say an hour but this drive i would be totally exhausted after i'm done because this time i'm driving in london england Mm -hmm. where they drive on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) Or or London, they'd say, we drive on the wrong side. Well, they drive on a different side of the road. Let's be politically correct. They drive on a different side of the road. Uh, I would be totally exhausted because I am consciously having to think about it the whole time. When you have to consciously think about things, that's what tires you out. Mm -hmm. The subconscious just takes over, and habits are just effective for us. We just do it and you're not tired after doing it that's why that's why change is hard for for churches for anybody because you try to do too much or or you just get exhausted doing it right uh, so it, if you have to think about change who would who would who would be able to do that pretty well make that change i've thought about it a long time the person that would really change in that situation would be the person that moved to london that had to drive to work every day to support his family. He would soon become what I would call a wrong-side-of-the-road driver. That that would become him, actually, in about 30 days. Right. He'd actually get it, uh, and here's the reason why. He had no choice. He really had no choice. If he was going to support his family, he had to move to London, and he had to drive every day on the wrong side of the road. Most change doesn't occur until you have no choice. Mm. Churches, usually don't change until they have no choice you know people I, i've worked with alcoholics could not stop drinking they go to the doctor the doctor says your liver is damaged if you drink anymore you're going to die and that person who could not quit drinking overnight quits drinking overnight now I, i'll be honest with you there's some even then that can't quit they're, they're just so consumed but the majority of people when they get something a shock like that, uh, smokers can't quit smoking, they go to the doctor, you got lung cancer, you smoking it, you're gonna die. They quit. Change usually happens when you have no choice. You get to the point of that that breakdown occurs with breakthrough. But here's the great here's the, the thing we need to understand. The the people who the people who live great lives are the people who change before they have to. Mm. See, the churches that become great churches they change before they have to. Right. That's the, that's the great people in the world. They understand how to change and live a great life before it gets to that point. Right. And that's, that's what the general population, they wait till it gets to, to that point before they ever change.
0: Amen. We're talking to Dr. Charles Lowry. We're talking about the stressed-out Christian. How do we handle stress? What is God's way to handle stress effectively in our lives? You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back, continuing on this important discussion. Don't go away.
2: You ever make a change and then think, why didn't I do this years ago? Well, that's how people feel about switching to MediShare for their health care, especially now with inflation the way it is. People are very happy with the savings. Most families save about $500 a month when they switch. It's a huge help when prices are going up so fast in so many other areas. And MediShare's customer satisfaction rate is double that of health insurance, it's just a different experience, and people really like that. MetaShare is an alternative to health insurance. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it's been going strong for over 25 years. It really is the gold standard, the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. Find out why people love it. Find out why they rave about the customer service, and find out how good it feels to save some money right now. They're super easy to talk to. Here's the number. 833-44-BIBLE That's 833-44-BIBLE 833-44-BIBLE
3: What would you do?
4: Aunt Sadie? I appreciate your thought behind the gift card but I just can't take it I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children I hope you'll go to afa.net slash target and learn about it not giving them my money
3: aunt sadie didn't know about afa's call to boycott target but she knows now and so do you learn even more at afa.net target afa.net target
4: if the cost of living is up or if it's down there's one constant it's always a part of life we need to be wise with our money and rob west can help Every weekday morning from 9 to 10 Central, starting May 31st, you can become Money Wise as Rob and his guests give you the financial answers you need, all from a biblical perspective. Stay on top of your finances with Rob West and Money Wise, 9 to 10 a.m. Central weekdays, starting May 31st on AFR.
5: For American Family Radio, this is Gateways to Better Education. I'm Eric Buhr. What does Mount Rushmore have to do with the origin of life? There are ways to help public school students think twice about evolution without opening a Bible or referring to God. Teaching about Mount Rushmore makes for a great opportunity. You can make a joking comment about Mount Rushmore being an amazing example of random chance and erosion. This can then lead to a discussion about how we can tell the difference between random chance and purposeful design. When people see a meaningful design, Their experience tells them it was done by a designer, not by random chance. A design is a pattern that expresses a message. Students just may remember that as they sit in their biology class and learn about DNA. For a free article on helping public school students think about creation, call us at 888-44-PARENT. That's 888-44-PARENT.
0: Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm talking to my good friend, Dr. Charles Lowry. Dr. Lowry is a pastor, an interesting combination, pastor and psychologist. I don't think we have any guys like that that I know of. Charles, you may know if there's a pastor-psychologist combo. Uh,
1: I think I'm a subset of one. I think I'm the only... Secular trained psychologist that ever pastored a mega church. I think, I think I'm think i the only one ever. So,
0: so you're <laughs> interested. Your career in church, <laughs> you were telling me last night. So it started with your brother's church as you were the children's yeah, pastor? I was
1: a professor at Garden Webb University and ran the counseling center. And then I did children's church for my brother. He was a pastor of a fairly large church. And so I did children's church for him and uh, uh, did that for, uh, for five years. And First Baptist Dallas called, wanted to start a psychological counseling center, in, in Dallas, Texas, as a big move for our family, pick up three kids, moved from uh, small town South Carolina to downtown Dallas, Texas, and uh, so we started that psychological counseling center. And then a few years later, I was a Sunday night preacher for W.A. Criswell. So it was a, uh, my brother would call me and say, "What are you? How are you able to do that? You didn't even go to seminary." And I said, "I'm still doing children's church. It's just longer." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, Dr. Criswell was good to me. He he believed in me, and and it opened up incredible doors uh, all around the all around the country. I remember David Jeremiah told me he said I used to get the cassette tapes because I wanted to hear W. A. Criswell, and then on the back was this psychologist that I thought has have they gone liberal? What's this psychologist yeah. doing? And he said, but I started listening to you, and I kind of liked you. you know? Yeah. So uh, it was. It well, was,
0: you were probably funnier uh-huh. than W. A.
1: A lot funnier. Yeah,
0: he <laughs> he was
1: content. I was comedy. You know, <laughs> we we made a good combination. <laughs> so
0: eight years there, and right. then to Hoffmantown.
1: Went to Hoffmantown and was ten years there at Hoffmantown as, and, the, main as the main guy. Main guy baptized yeah. over three thousand people during that time, and then planted a, a great church that's now baptizing uh, over a thousand a year. So uh, interesting, yeah, uh, life I've had. <laughs> yeah.
0: So from from Hoffmantown, then you were kind of. You started the Lowry Institute, or
1: Hoffmantown. I decided to go on my own. I, I, being a psychologist and a pastor, that is a unique gift. And so, uh, mainly, what I do is Sunday relationship conferences. I go to church on a Sunday, and win, win especially the men over, get them to come back like five o'clock, and we have a couple hours to teach, teach people how to have great relationships. So that's it's kind of my gift. That's kind of what I want to specialize in.
0: Right. So. Well, in the in the time that you had before before you got into quote-unquote the ministry you were counseling people right, right. at the state yeah. is it with us at the state hospital
1: i was actually in the uh the psychiatric i uh, did an internship at the hall psychiatric institute uh in columbia south carolina and, how,
0: how fun was that oh uh,
1: well, that well, that was interesting you know you meet uh, the, you met the apostle paul you know <laughs> you, you meet you know napoleon you know and uh, people people can get really mentally ill i promise you yeah uh that those kind of hospitals are where people need, you know, they need drug, they're chemically, they're chemical imbalance, and they got some problems, serious problems, and yeah. you have to be hospitalized. So, but then I, I realized also psychiatry was not the answer. That that if you can't treat the soul, uh, it's not going to work. You got right. got a body and soul, and so that's when I, my dad was a preacher, so I marked that off. I didn't want to do that. But then the longer I was in it, the more I realized how much my dad really knew. And uh, how we had to incorporate the Bible if we we're going to help people. right so I kind of went back to my roots, I guess you'd say. Uh,
0: well, so you in the secular world, in the church world, stress is all over. Does't matter if you're a Christian, or not a Christian, you're dealing with stress. And I liked how you said it's like the passing gear. so it's not necessarily uh, uh, something we, hey, shun this, avoid this at all costs. Um, God uses that. To kind of get the adrenaline going, and yeah. but but what happens if that stays that way?
1: Yeah, it's it's I, I use the example for people. It's like uh, somebody says, "I'm going to give you a vacation. It's free, all expensive paid, wonderful hotel. Uh, here's your plane ticket. It's going to be a great and, and boy, you say, man, this is fantastic." And you look at the plane ticket, and you fly from Dallas to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to the Caribbean Islands for your vacation, and the the connection in the Atlanta airport is two minutes <laughs> and and you say, wait a minute. I, I don't, I don't think this is going to work. And the, and they say, Oh yeah, if you're, if you, if the gate that you've plane comes in is in the same terminal and actually is the gate right beside the, the, where your plane is taking off. I think you have a chance of making it, you know? <laughs> and you'd say, that's crazy. That would, that would be so stressful. Yeah. well, that's how a lot of people end up with their lives they end up wanting this thing out here and they don't realize the connections are so quick that they're they got this thing out there that they're trying to get but their life is a mess yeah and they're not well give me another example of airports because I'm in airports a lot uh, have you ever been late for a flight yes. Let me just ask
0: you. Not, not your, a good feeling.
1: I, yeah. Let me ask you about your behavior. Were you really kind to people? Or were you kind of looking Always. for little old ladies <laughs> that you could kind of help, you know, get? Uh, of not, course matter of fact, you ran over a little old ladies. Let's right. be honest. Right. Uh, why? Uh, because you were late and you had to get somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's, here's, here's the key to life. You got to be very careful that you end up looking for something that you're trying to catch and you run over people trying to get there.
5: Mm.
1: Happens all the time. Right. Happens to us, happens to preachers, happens happen to all of us. Right. Uh, I call that the pace of a race. And you see a lot of guys in the pace of a race trying to get to the top. Jesus called his the pace of grace. The people, the people, always more important than that destination. Yeah. And that's what he's trying to tell Martha. That, 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 don't get distracted by this out here, right. but, and it's it's uh, it's out there for all of us, and, right. we, and you can't see. You really can't see the emotional. See the physical. We can't see the emotional. Like if I mean, if I told you, I want you to put four guys on your back and climb down those stairs, you'd say I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but many times emotionally, we're carrying lots of people. And, and we don't realize it, right? And we need a break, right? And uh, that—that's what a lot of pastors. I, I give that illustration to pastors a lot. I said, "You're carrying too many people, you know? right? You can't—you can't be responsible for all those people." So,
0: well, one of the things that you've told me, and I think it's great advice, and you—you you learned this from watching your dad. Yeah, you have as a pastor, you have to protect family time. Because the church can get another pastor, yep. and, and they will get another yep. pastor. You drop dead. Yep. I drop dead tomorrow. Yep. First Baptist Texarkana doesn't shut down. Right, they get yep. another guy. Yeah, um, but but your family can't get another you. Right. And so, what did you see growing up, Charles, with the the uh, stress put on your dad, and the maybe in that in that mindset back then, yeah. the pastor did everything.
1: Oh yeah, yeah he. It was it was a miserable way to grow up, literally. I mean, I, I that, that's why I said I will never. That's why I became a psychologist. I said because these people are nuts. I mean, <laughs> this is not the way to live. You know, uh, I was a I was a star basketball player. My dad really didn't have time to go to basketball games because he had to be at church all the time. Uh, so my senior year, he probably made two games. You know, maybe the whole whole year. You know, uh, and. Uh, at the time, I, I, in a way, you think that's normal, you know, but then when you get to be a father yourself and realize, you know, he, he, he was married to the church, really. Yeah. And they made him be there all the time. And if he didn't, they're critical. You right. Know? If, that was, you have a monthly business meeting, you'd criticize him, you know, because he wasn't doing all he was supposed to do. Right. Uh, so that model, I thought, I'm, I'm not for that, you know. And, how, did,
0: how did that affect uh, his relationship with your mom?
1: You know, it's one of those kind of things where it looked like it was great, you know, but I really don't know. You know, I don't because he didn't he he never was really a transparent kind of person, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think it was great. But, you know, I really don't know. You know.
0: Yeah. But now Fred becomes a preacher and Fred is how much older than you?
1: He's uh, almost six years older than me. Uh, He becomes a preacher. But. Learned a lot from that process. Matter of fact, when I was doing children's church for Fred, he he wanted me to come do that for him, and I said, "I'm I'm not working for a church, Fred. You know, you you got remember remember how we grew up. Yeah. That's nuts. I'm not I'm not doing that." And he said, "No, it's not going to be like that. It's yeah. different." Yeah, he said. My family is more important than that church, and, and we're going to model. We're going to model what we want those people to do. Yeah, We're not going to let them control us. We're going to control them, right. <laughs> and so it's a whole different model. But unfortunately, I have a brother underneath Fred, 18 months younger than Fred, who saw that and knew my dad was a good man, but saw him criticize him on Wednesday nights and business meetings, and he rejected the church. He said, uh-huh. if, that's, if that's Christians, I want nothing to do with that. Because my dad's a good man. I know he's a good man. If, if they're saying those things about him, then I don't want it. So he never went to church. He never mm-hmm. became an alcoholic, has since passed away. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a wasted life, you know, yeah. because he just resented church people.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. that's, I remember something Adrian Rogers said. Uh, he said, that the church is Jesus' bride, it's not mine. My bride is at home, my bride is named Joyce, and I need to make sure that my bride is taken care of, my family's taken care of, because the church can get another pastor. And uh, I think, you know, in in our desire in the ministry to do, to serve the Lord and to serve the people and love the people, uh, if we don't have a boundary, we can get like Martha So distracted, worried, and bothered about so many things, as you said, you got the. It's not just four people on your back; it's more like forty people on your back. Yeah. Um, how how does a guy Charles, in in your uh, opinion and mindset, how does a pastor create those good boundaries?
1: Well, first of all, we have to we have to decide that boundaries are good for us. Uh, So, the the world says boundaries. It you know. Just self-actualize. Do whatever you want. You know, Te- tell a pilot that a runway is pretty narrow, but but you need that boundary. Remember, years ago, I think it was Sonny Bono and a, a Kennedy kid. They were killed the same year because they skied outside the boundaries. Right. They thought those boundaries aren't for us. Uh, well, the boundaries are good for you. You know, it's like a train on the track. It'll get you to destination. It's like a fire in the fireplace. It'll be good for you. You let the train off the track, it's a wreck. Right. You let the fire out of the fireplace, you're going to burn your house down. Right. You let the river out of the banks, it's going to be a swamp. Right. Boundaries are good for you. The church has to realize that, and the pastor has to realize that, and he he has to know his individual boundaries. They're going to be different for different people. Uh, I, I, I'm a golfer, so you know, I told my church I'm playing golf. You know that's that's what I do, and uh, if. if uh, if you don't like it, get another pastor. That's what I do, you know. And uh, I took a I took a six week study break every summer. And right. uh, one guy asked me one time, "Well, how did you do that?" I said, "Well, I just did it." And I found out when I came back, the people who loved me loved me, the people who hated me hated me, and I had a six week study break. So what's what's the
0: decision? Yeah, there? nothing changed. Yeah, right? Nothing
1: changed. I am responsible for my family and my own mental health. Uh, if the church will not allow me to to do that, I'm going somewhere else. See, right. that, that's, I have to take charge of my life. You, you can't let other people take charge of your life.
0: Charles, how does a guy that's, that's in the corporate world, um, you know, he can't take a six-week study break, yeah. you know, he gets three yeah. weeks vacation or four weeks but the pressure is on, um, how, how is he able to carve out a good boundary?
1: Well, you, you have to live your life the same way you get saved by faith. You have to believe that God is in charge, and if God is in charge, then your you have the values that God wants you to have. Whether you're successful or not is God's problem. It's not your problem. You, you may do more for your family, and you may do more for God's work, and you're not successful. You're you're the you're the whatever, mm-hmm. but. The next generation, or God's going to use your son, or something. We don't know what, God, what we don't know what God's up to. I, I I get people to always take a pledge where they resign as general manager of the universe whenever right. I preach. You've probably I remember, done that yeah. for your place. Yeah, uh, you literally have to resign as general manager of the universe, and let God handle the long term. See, the key one of the keys to stress is to realize you don't really know what's bad and what's good i mean you really don't i can remember my college roommate coming back to the dorm and say life's not worth living you know his high school sweetheart had rejected him Uh he thought it was the end of the world right now there's some people out there listening probably you got rejected and you thought it was the end of the world and then you go back for your 40-year reunion and you see that person, and they say, that's so-and-so. And you look at them, and you say, thank God for unanswered prayers, don't you? Because, <laughs> see, you thought that was the best thing, and you was so much stressed because you lost it. But you don't know what's bad and what's good. Right. God knows. So you do what you do, realize that I'm going to stay healthy, and these are what what I'm going to be able to do, and this is my boundary. And then God determines the results. We're both golfers. matter of fact, you're going to take me today, hopefully. Yes, sir. uh,
0: But you're a good golfer.
1: I tell people all the time, because they say this, man, on the driving range, I'm really good. You know? I mean, and I woke up with that first tee, I'm awful. Right. Well, here's the difference. On the driving range, you're not concerned about a result. You're just enjoying the swing and hitting the ball. Get to that first tee, you you're you're concerned about results. Yes. Tell you about life. If you treat it as a driving range, just take your swings and enjoy it. Yes. Leave the results to God. It's going to be a fun life. Yeah. If you start trying to control the results, you're going to tense up, and you're going to be a pain to be around.
0: uh, that's so that's so good you had said last night when you were preaching at our church about uh, relationships are what matters i don't care how successful you are monetarily or how much you climb the corporate ladder if your marriage and family stinks your life stinks
1: that's it, the bottom line but buffett richest man in the world I said what's what's success you got all this money he said the people that you want to love you love you that's success
0: Amen. Well, we're talking to Dr. Charles Lowry. We're talking about stress, the stressed out Christian. Uh, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away.
5: There are some horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of kings and Lord of lords.
1: Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio.
5: He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff.
3: Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you. They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship. And you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. So at $5 a Bible, will you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring.
0: Welcome back to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. I'm talking to my good friend, Dr. Charles Lowry. Dr. Lowry has a unique ministry. He goes around the country speaking uh, to church groups, speaking to nonprofits, speaking in corporate events. Uh, God has given him the ability to take biblical truth and, and present it in such a way that makes people want to listen he uses humor he's a naturally funny guy but he uses humor that has a point and uh charles i was mentioning to you at the break you tell a story that's one of my favorites about the guy that goes to the barbecue
1: okay let me uh, uh tell you people listen out there you have to get specific in order to be terrific there's one thing in your life that you need to change right now and let me let me see if i can illustrate that uh this guy goes to a, a party. We're going to watch a ball game or something, and we're going to grill some steaks, and the grill is getting good and hot. And let's just call him Bill, and we look over at Bill. Bill waves at us. We wave at Bill. And then Bill puts his hand on the grill and burns himself. And we go, good night. Well, why did Bill do that? They, they take him to the hospital. I mean, it's a bad burn. We call and check on him, and he's doing pretty well. And they salve him up, bandage him up. It's about three weeks later. He's all healed up. We're having another party grill some more steaks, and Bill walks in. It's kind of tense. you know. He's by the grill. You don't know what to say, but we're Christians, so we don't say anything because it's better to look good than tell the truth, right? So we just look at him and he puts his hand on the grill again and burns himself. Now, when we're just sitting around talking, we're going to say this. I like that Bill. He is a nice guy, but when it comes to grills, that Bill's nuts, isn't it? He's just crazy. Well, bill is all of us we got one thing that burns us over and over again matter of fact there's an old joke psychiatrist joke about the guy that goes to see the psychiatrist he's got two burned ears and the psychiatrist said man what happened to you he said I was ironing the phone rang I picked up the iron he says yeah but both your ears are burned he said they call back Well, that's what your habits do. You say you're not going to do it or smoke it or get mad at it, but the habit calls you back and you do it anyway. One more story to illustrate this. Yes. pastor bought a lawnmower from a neighborhood kid and paid $38 and uh, couldn't start that lawnmower. Every morning, just pull that. Pull that thing, couldn't get more and more frustrated, more and more mad. After about five mornings of pulling that thing and not starting, the little boy walks by. He said, kid, come here. You sold me this lawnmower. It doesn't start. It does not start. The kid says, it does start, Pastor. He said, no, it does not. You sold me a bad lawnmower. He said, I didn't want to tell you. He says, you're the pastor. And I did want to tell you, and I shouldn't have sold it to you, but here's the way it is with this lawnmower. It will start. But you have to cuss. That's just the way it's always been. And I knew you were the pastor, and I didn't want to tell you, but I needed the money. And he, the pastor said, well, young man, I am the pastor, and I do not cuss. Matter of fact, it's been so long, I don't even remember how. And the little boy said, pull it about three or four more times. It'll all come back. <laughs> well, that's the way life is. You say you're not going to do it. You say you're not going to get mad at it. You say you're not going to drink it. You say you're not going to smoke it. But the people pull on you, and when they pull on you, it all comes back. And that's the way life is. There's something, there's people out there listening, you actually know what burns you. And it's burned you over and over. And you need to talk to somebody, get help from somebody. It, maybe it's your mate that can help you keep from getting burned over and over again.
0: Right. Well, we talked, uh, you had mentioned last night, you talked about relationships, but it's not good for the man to be alone. And uh, I think in in Christianity, we desperately need one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, When we talk about, well, it's just me and Jesus. Well, me and Jesus, it, it has to be me and Jesus plus somebody else that can, a horizontal relationship, that can minister to me, that I can share with, be honest with. Um, Charles, in, in your travels, um, especially with pastors, they often don't have somebody like that.
1: They don't. They, they end up covering up. They end up, uh, and it's see, if you're not careful, your quiet time will become narcissistic wailing. It will just be all about you. And you can convince yourself it's you and God, and your dysfunction is normal. Uh, and that's why you need to be around other people. And, they need, and you need to be on other people who will tell you the truth. The truth will set you free, but you have to hear it. Secrets are sickness. You do have to face it to fix it. That's the way life is. And friends are – I tell people they need friends to do a few things for you. One is they need a, a good cheer. Every now and then, you just need somebody to cheer you on, you know. Mm -hmm. You need a listening ear, somebody who will listen to you. You need truth without fear, somebody who will tell you the truth. Matter of fact, the higher you up in an organization, the more you need the truth. Truth rarely goes upward. It goes downward all the time, Mm -hmm. but it rarely goes upward. That's why you see Christian leaders who are up, up there getting in trouble because nobody's telling them the truth. It's not going up. You see, Mm -hmm. there's no accountability there people. So you need truth without fear.
0: Just because of people are afraid to tell the leader,
1: they're afraid to tell the leader and that the leader needs it, needs it more than anybody. So truth rarely goes downward. If Mm -hmm. if you just watch, it's just the way it is. So you need that good cheer, listening ear. You need a sensitive tear, especially if you're a guy, you need somebody that you know well enough, you know, that I got a buddy that's wife died of cancer, and many times we just cried. I Mm -hmm. mean, we just cried. Mm -hmm. We couldn't pray. We just cried, you know. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to cry, you -hmm. know, because life's going to knock you down. I promise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you need a kick in the rear. Every now and then, (laughs) you know, and these all rhyme, by the way, so you can remember them. Uh, Sometimes you just need to be told you're throwing a pity party, right. you know, Get go, suck it up, buddy. You know, right. go do it, you know, and you need friends and, and your friend will know when you need each one of those, you see, because right. they know you well enough, you know. Uh, but you've, you've got to be able to do that, especially pastors and pastors are so paranoid uh, that they're going to be that. And it's it's true. You know, if you what information you get out there, some people will take it and use it against you right it's just that's their people they got problems just like you have
0: okay so when you were pastoring hoffman town did you have somebody that you could really share with
1: yeah i i have some pastor friends that i've known for since i was you know uh in my early 20s uh and so we can we can talk to anything about any anything really Uh, Mm -hmm. but i also have some lay friends you know who uh, uh I'm still friends with my college roommate. He lived with me in the ninth grade. And he's not a pastor, but he's a good Christian guy. you know. And you need to – sometimes a guy is not a pastor that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Hoffman Town, I also had an accountability group of lay people. Uh, I picked five guys in my church, lay guys, that I met with, uh, I think, every three weeks. And uh, there weren't a committee. There were guys I picked mm-hmm. that – I wanted to sound. I wanted a sounding board that wasn't a church committee you know right the guys that I just was compatible with, so I think you have to you have to implement those kind of things uh and you have to get away you have to be able to get away from your church mm-hmm. that's uh you can't see it up close all the time you got to get away and look at it Charles, churches do a very poor job of letting their pastors get away you know
0: yeah, I don't think they understand um you know, I mean, the old joke, you work one day a week and that kind of thing. Yeah. And they don't understand the uh, – one guy put it, you know, the, the pastor is the end of the spear. And uh, so just as a staff member is not the same thing as being this the pastor. As yep. you know, when yep. you were at First Baptist Dallas,
1: yeah,
0: um, you, you know, some people might not have liked you because you were way different. But yep. uh, if things were going bad, they got on Chris, Well, They didn't get on you. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was uh... – yeah, you know, staff is is nothing like being a pastor, and so you need another pastor friend for sure who understands that pressure. and uh, And we we put a model in our churches where the pastor is supposed to be there every Sunday, and that I don't think that's really a healthy model. I think I think a lot of a lot of people now are looking at more of a, a pastor and then a teaching pastor that can alternate to keep that pressure of having to be there every Sunday. Right. Uh, and because and people need to hear different voices right they, they just do
0: yeah know? so and that's uh that's a good plug too for yeah. bring charles out that's right yeah
1: so <laughs> so uh
0: i know that you encourage the church and you have a ministry of encouragement you do make people laugh but it's not just frivolous laughter it has a point
1: yeah
0: and yeah.
1: uh well there's a, there's a difference between a comedian and a communicator for me humor moistens the needle i can tell when people laugh together, they feel connected, and they start to lower their defenses. So you can tell them things then that you couldn't otherwise tell them that they will actually take. You know, in my marriage conference, I basically tell men you have half a brain and you don't know how to talk to your wife, and and I and I can t- and and you come back this afternoon. And I'm going to teach you that, but I get them laughing about it and they come back. You know, right. because it it just it does moisten that needle, and it relaxes people. And right. you you. See, a lot of the humor is about me too, and my my problems and what I've done stupid and they relate to you. When you come at people, they put defenses up. When you come with people, I'm just like you. I got the same problem as you have. I'm as sorry, no good as you are. I need Jesus just as bad as you do. Right. Let's learn how we can live like he lives. And that's why that's why I try to come. With people, not at people.
0: Right. Yeah, I tell uh, younger guys this. I said, never preach down to people. Preach horizontally with people, yep. um, and then people will listen. Yeah. You know, if they think you're in your ivory tower and, yep. you know, listen to me because I've been with God on the mountain. Yeah. 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 I mean, we need to be with God on the mountain, yep. but we yep. need to be able to let our yep. – hair down and yeah. say, hey, I struggle with this, too. Yeah. I told a lady the other day, Charles, I said she called in and I said, listen, she shared her problem. And I said, if I'm you, I'm struggling, too. You just need to know that up front. What I'm going to tell you is truth, but it's not easy. Right. What we need to do is not. I mean, we can say, hey, you need to do this. You need to you need to kick in the rear. You need to get out of yeah. bed. You need yeah. to start going to work. You need to, you know, quit moping around. Yeah. yeah. But that's easier said than done. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and you need to help. You know, I tell people when they're, you know, I preach a message on the book of Job, and you know, Job's friends are awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you don't want to be like that. And people always say, well, how do you help people? Well, wh- what, what, what gets people down is inertia and isolation. They quit moving. They quit being around people. That just leads you to get more depressed. So you you get involved in their life, and you help them with their routine. They may not be able – if they've lost a husband or they lost a child, they may not be able to do their routine that first couple of weeks. You do it with them. See, you, you, you help them because the routine is what's going to get them back into sanity, you know. Right. Uh, you got to get back out of that house. And, right. and And a friend helps them get back out of the house. That's right. what friends do. And friends are honest. I mean, Job reached the point where I'll never understand, but I, I'm still going to trust God. And right. that's, that's that's the point we all have to eventually get to. Right. I mean, I've lost a grandchild. I, I'll never understand it. Right. I'm just going to trust God. And that's the – Job's friends tried to explain God instead of – they tried to take God's – they were in God's footsteps instead of their footsteps. They yeah. tried to convict him instead of connect with him and right. feel his pain. And that's what we have to do with people to help them. we got to connect with them and be there.
0: Right. With them. Well, like this, the tragedy in Uvalde. Um, yeah. we, we can't yeah. comprehend that. No. And th- those parents that have lost children, I mean, you just weep with them. There is no answer. No, It's just that yeah. give this to the Lord. Yeah. He is good. Yeah. We can trust him. Yeah. He loves us. Uh, uh, I, Char- yeah,
1: I've got this phrase I tell people. When you can't celebrate life, you just celebrate the Lord. That's all you can do. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, life's. T- I mean, life's hard then you die. I mean, that's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, death runs in my family. I think it runs in yours. So it's, you know, come in this world, no teeth, no hair, no bladder control. That's how you're going out, buddy. So <laughs> don't get arrogant about
0: life. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, that's why I love the book of Psalms. Uh, some A friend of mine said, Psalms can be summed up, Life is hard, but God is good. Yep. and david, yeah. David had a hard life. He did. I mean, he was yep. king, he had yep. some great things. Yeah. And God used him in great ways, but it wasn't easy. No, Joseph's life wasn't easy. No. Um, yeah. Any anybody that God uses in a great way is going to have scars. Yeah, would you agree with that?
1: I think so, and I I I've been going to say that
0: you're going to have scars whether God used you or not. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's
1: just called life. You know, it's the way it is. Yeah, uh, and I think sometimes we get the idea: hey, if I go to church, God's going to bless me. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. That's That's called heaven. One day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But down here, it's you know, it's not good. (laughs)
0: Right. Well, we have one minute left, Charles. What would you say to the stressed out mom maybe that's listening today? How how can you give her some encouragement?
1: I would say try to find out what's distracting you. What what are what what's kind of gotten you distracted? And then get direct yourself back to what's really important in life. And I'm going to do those things. Other stuff, I'm not going to worry about anymore. I'm just going to focus on doing what God wants me to do today and take that long-term view. He's in charge.
0: I'm not. Resign. That's (laughs) right. Mary has chosen the good part, Jesus said, which shall not be taken away from her. Listen, God doesn't want us to live stressed like Martha pulled in many directions he wants us to sit at his feet listen to his word and focus in on what really matters thank you so much for joining us today on real truth for today and i'm your host pastor jeff shreve and we've been enjoying listening to the wisdom from dr charles lowry and i will be with you again tomorrow as we talk to dr ray comfort be with us god bless